Rick here. I just wanted to apologize for some of the sound quality in this recording. During recording, we would have instances where the sound would spike really quickly. I tried fixing it as best as possible, but it's not as good as I would like it. I apologize for the imperfection. The war continues as the Beyonder conquers the world and the action spreads to other dimensions and to the stars. Secret Wars 2, the next space-spanning chapter, begins in Secret Wars 2, Issue 3, and continues in Avengers, Hulk, Daredevil. You won't want to miss a single issue. What's happening? Who was that? What is going on? Oh, hey, I invited one of the co-hosts from the Secret Wars 2 and Beyond podcast over to your house for this recording. Is that a problem? Um, wait, I have a question. Cue the music. Welcome, dear listeners, to our podcast, Jeff and Rick Present, Unpacking the Power of Power Pack. Where we journey through each issue of the most underrated Marvel series of the 80s while drinking beer. Analyzing awesome and amazing adolescent adventures and absorbing alcohol. I am Jeff. And I am Rick. And I'm Sean. And this is two shows in a row that you have invited someone into my house without telling me. Meh. Dun, 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 dun. Da 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 da! Random! Da 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 da! Banter! Random banter, guys. What's going on with your lives? How you been? How you doing? You enjoy that? Yes, I do. <laughs> That's the only reason I do the show. Well, free beer and uh, and being able to make up the different random banter interests. Let's go ahead and start off by asking our guest what his random banter is, and I'd like to introduce Sean from Secret Wars Two and Beyond. Uh, thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, I am Sean Ross. I am the co-host of Secret Wars, Secret Wars and Beyond. We don't call ourselves Secret Wars Two and Beyond because we want people to listen. Uh, where we cover, <laughs> where we cover every Marvel comic to carry the Secret Wars banner. We have covered the much beloved Secret Wars One. We are almost done with the very fairly maligned Secret Wars Two, and the <laughs> the beautiful relic that is Secret Wars Three is right around the corner. I co-host that with Greg Arujo. And uh, I'm also the co-host of the Nerdy Dads podcast with Steve Medeiros, where we talk about pop culture we loved as kids and how we can inflict it upon our unsuspecting children. And I love both of those shows. I, I love everything I've found with you and your different friends that you do your podcast with. And it's a real pleasure to have you on the show. And it's I feel like I'm giving back to you because you were kind enough to have me on as a quote, air quotes, expert <laughs> about Power Pack, which I still don't understand, but that's okay. What random uh, banter have you been up to, sir? It just, you know, recording a lot of podcasts and uh, being a bad husband. Uh, you, you know, <laughs> those two things go hand in hand. Uh, my wife refers to herself as a podcast widow and i'm like well that's you know you could be worse um so yeah not much just glad to finally meet jeff uh, we had you know we had rick on the show and yeah we were amazing too man you came in hot like i i you came in with like a west wing reference a secret question and like total self-deprecating humor and we were like oh this is perfect like you're the perfect secret worst too yes i think i had three secret questions to be fair but they were secret yeah they oh, were yeah. very secret they were so secret that we didn't even talk about them. But no, I I, I I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the to really look at those issues, especially look at uh, the Secret Wars, which all four of the issues that we talked about, the Secret Wars 2 and then the Thor and the two Power Pack ones, we're planning on covering all of those with our show. But it was nice to come in and attack them with just a little bit of a different bent. Well, yeah, because you're uh, looking at them through the Secret Wars lens instead of the Power Pack lens. Yes. And I'm, I'm very... I'm very interested in seeing what's going to happen when we cover them and seeing what different things we bring in there. I went to Rose City Comic Con a couple weeks ago. That's, oh, that's awesome. Cool. 
That That's was fun. Cool. Met some met some good podcasters there, and a uh, lot of great artists. Got a lot of good uh, signed stuff. Came back and spent way too much money. But I at had a some, convention. How at a convention? It's not like they have dealer rooms there. I just <laughs> kept on buying stuff from the artists because I was like, I want to support you because you're really cool. And mm. can you sign this, please? Um, no, that was that was. <laughs> Could you make this to eBay? No, 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 no. <laughs> the the other thing I was going to mention though is. Just kind of really briefly, this last weekend I went with my daughter uh, to go pick up something from an art studio that my wife had sent her to. They had like a kid's camp. There was some stuff that we still needed to pick up. So we went over there to pick it up and Carrie's looking around. She goes, oh, I want to paint one of these things. I was mm-hmm. like, okay, fine. So I'm going to paint something too, I guess. And I have no artistic talent. I have no idea what I'm going to do. On their wall, they've got a bunch of these square canvas pieces mm-hmm. that people have painted. And they've got like Flash and Wonder Woman. And I thought about it for a second. I thought about the shirt that I wore at the Rose City Comic Con with the four power pack symbols mm-hmm. on it. I got an idea. Yeah. Got it on my phone, emailed it off to the lady there. She printed it out, stenciled it on there for me. And I sat there and painted a very nice little uh, canvas that we hung up in our living room with all the power pack <laughs> symbols. So. Aww. So I, I, I'm very proud of it. I'm very That's proud awesome. of it. I'm, I, I'm just owning the power packness. Yeah, you really are. Yes. You really, really are. Um, so anything boring for you, Jeff? Oh, yeah. I didn't go to Rose City Comic Con because I'm still stuck in the middle of the undying home remodel. <laughs> it's still going, but a good chunk of it just got done in one fell swoop. So, But of course, it was, it was just like for one thing, it's like flooring. That's all we're doing right here. Perfect. And the dishwasher. Okay, we can handle mm-hmm. And the faucet. Okay, what else? Oh, and then a, a wire in the stove apparently had like rubbed itself uh, down to bare metal. So it's like, so, so you cool, had, let's fix that too. It's just, so what I'm getting from all of this is that you had plenty of time to write a two-sentence replay for last week. I did have plenty of time to write a two-sentence <laughs> replay. I, it, part of that replay is just going to be this. If you ever have anything to do in your home as a remodel aspect, just just move. Yeah. Just leave it for the next person. Just go, well, I'm not going to deal with it. And they just run away. Yeah. That's, that's my uh, home remodeling advice. But... After waking up to a world that has forgotten them, the power pack rushed to the sewers to confront the Morlocks and to be kidnapped by them yet again. Luckily, Katie escapes and teams up with the X-Men to bring her family home after befriending the repeated kidnapper and making her their honorary grandmother, because the best way to deal with a kidnapper is to make them family. <laughs> now that the stay out of the sewers, you'll be kidnapped, two-sentence replay is over, why don't you give me a beer and tell us what our power pack pick is? My pleasure, my friend. Now, uh, I wish you could be with us, sir, but I think you got your own beer, I think. I do. I finished it already. <laughs> I'm, I'm the worst guest ever, man. <laughs> I literally am the guy who showed up to the party a little tipsy already. <laughs> <laughs> well, then you could watch us drink beer. You're carrying the uh, the empty 12-pack around, just getting drinks off other people. <laughs> you that guy at the party. Well, I would like to present to you a very appropriate beer. It is... Fielder's Choice. Hey. Bellingham. <laughs> nice. Bellingham Bell's Golden Ale. Boundary Bay. Fielder's Choice. Bellingham Bell's Golden Ale. Brewed and canned by Boundary Bay Brewery in Bellingham, Washington. Hey, Bellingham, Washington. Cool. Yeah. And it's the official beer of the Bellingham Bell's Baseball Club. Yep. That's nice. That's cool. Summer nights at the ballpark have been a tradition for Boundary Bay Brewery since the partnership with the Bellingham Bells Baseball Club began in 1999. Together we aim to bring our strong, vibrant Bellingham community a lifetime of memories through affordable entertainment for the whole family. Let's go, Bells! 
Go Bells! That's got a, a great, great label on the can. That's a, yeah. It's got the baseball diamond. It's got a baseball. It's got crossed bats. It's got everything you think of when you think of baseball. I picked this up from local boys up in Olala, Washington. Back when we uh, when we were at the pirate ships. Okay, so just a uh, how how many weeks ago? Yeah, it was about a month. Month ago, ago now. I had uh, I I had a different beer. I had a pyramid curveball blonde ale. Nice. It, it sounded nice. Uh, the curveball was in the fact that it tasted like a baseball dugout. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, man. That is not a flavor that you no. want to savor. No, uh, no. This is a. I I was looking for something that was going to be appropriate. I happened to be at uh, local boys um, on our way to a bar, and I had one of our friends, Donna. I was like, "Oh, Donna, this is what I'm looking for. Something baseball themed. Go." So she ran around, found this one, and it looks perfect, and it tastes. It's not bad. It's a different flavor. Oh what yeah, that? that's a okay. That's a golden ale. Yeah, you know, it this has is a, a golden ale flavor. That's. That's good for a golden ale. That really is good for a golden ale. It's a 35 IBU, 5.1% ABV. It's um It's bubbly too. Yeah, it's very bubbly. It is super bubbly. Uh it's as clear as a as an ale. I mean this is definitely a good summer beer. I mean yeah. we're we're really hitting into the fall right now here in Oregon. I mean, you know, we're not like still 200 degrees out in Arizona like some people. Yeah, I don't know this fall of which you speak. <laughs> we have <laughs> we have hot and not as hot. Those are our seasons. Yeah, you have hot and nighttime. <laughs> um, you know, I actually I've I pulled out my coat a couple of days this week, so you know. I was wearing pants. Oh, jeez. I hated that. Oh. I was just like, I I, yeah, I wear clothes. I'm not saying I was like... No, he really doesn't. It was it's, just, it's, I, it's I like very, wearing shorts. It's so very when, uncomfortable being in the, in the yeah, room with you. That's yeah, the biggest problem. It's a difficult podcast. Um, no, this is a, it's very good. It's very tasty. It's got um, a pretty uh, heavy wheat. I think it's like a wheat rye taste in yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, I, I can taste that, yeah. No, this would be a fantastic summer one. I can, I can see. It's light, but it has a nice flavor. I can see this one being a very good baseball one, and the reason why, Sean, why did I bring a bait? Why did we get baseball beers? What are we doing here? Because we are covering Power Pack issue thirteen, entitled "Fireworks," in which the Power Children go with that bastion of danger, Grandpa, to a baseball game. (laughs) Danger. There we go. That perfectly explains why. Danger bastion. Yeah, bastion (laughs) of danger, Grandpa. It's true. No spoilers. No spoilers. No spoilers. Well, we already gave a spoiler. This issue is about baseball. Well. You say that, but I don't know that for sure until you tell me the opening credits. It's true with fireworks. It must be about the 4th of July. <laughs> must be. <laughs> Power Pack, issue number 13, August 1985. Fireworks. Credits. Writer, Louis Simonson. Penciler, Brent Anderson. Inker, Bob Wyacek. Colorer, Glennis Oliver. Letterer, Joe Rosen. Editor, Carl Potts. Editor-in-chief, Jim Shooter. Featuring Power Pack, Alex Power, a.k.a. G., Oldest power sibling increases or decreases the gravity of objects he touches, voiced by me. Julie Power, a.k.a. Lightspeed, second oldest power sibling, flies very fast leaving a rainbow trail behind her, voiced by my wife. Jack Power, a.k.a. Mass Master, second youngest power sibling, controls his molecular density, voiced by Jeff. Katie Power, a.k.a. The Energizer, youngest power sibling, disintegrates matter, turning it into energy, which he can expel into power balls, voiced by my daughter. And guest starring Gramps, the polymath biological grandfather of the Power Children. When not playing an oboe or talking about sea animals, he is a major league baseball fan. As of yet, he does not know that his grandkids have powers, and that might be because of his style of babysitting, which he describes as wonderfully neglectful. (laughs) Sean, 
Would you like to do the honors? I mean, you are our guest. Certainly. So we find the children up on a rooftop playing some baseball in their costumes. It is a nice sunny... Hey, June Brigman talked to us about this issue. Yeah, she said that she was glad Brent Anderson gave her a break for an issue. Yeah, she was glad he took over the drawing duties because she was not really a baseball fan. Crack. Hey, uh, guys, you can go ahead and stop reminiscing about your interview and pay attention. I mean, Jack just knocked a high flyer into the air, and that interview was over three episodes ago, so it might be time to move on. Never! <laughs> but, yeah, we should probably focus on this episode. So, while Julie, the outfielder, is chasing down that hit, let's check out the other positions the kids are playing. Jack is at bat, Kitty is catcher, and Alex is pitching. And all of them are talking about two baseball players. Some guys named Slugger McGurk and Batman Bates. And we thought the Power Kids had bad names. Yeah, no doubt. You will never, ever find a main character with a name like Batman in a Marvel comic. At this game, it is expected that Slugger McGurk will tie a seven consecutive game home run hitting record held by an older, retired player named Batman Bates. And his Batboy Wonder Robin. Quiet, you. Wrong franchise. Jack is not rooting for Slugger. He is a big fan of Batman Bates. Now, Julie, who has never shown any interest in sports is absolutely trolling Jack and is looking forward to the breaking of the record. This sibling rivalry continues as Jack boysplains how Julie should be catching the ball. Tip of the hat to Lightspeed as she catches the ball, plop, her way, and drills the ball into Jack's cloud form. We're talking center mass here. It's a beautiful throw. Causing Alex, who has been chiding everyone on using their superhero names, to degrab and catch the ball before it flies over the fence. He then rightly starts to light into light speed about how dangerous that was, saying, Do you know what the ball would do if it fell 13 stories? What if it hit someone? Good question, Alex. Good question. These first four pages are really just a primer for Sean and the rest of the comic. Hey! You see the kids are using their powers. You see them calling each other by their real and superhero names. And you find out that they are going to a baseball game where something will happen. It's a pretty basic introduction to this world and story. And is beautifully drawn by Brent Anderson. Part of the intro also includes Katie writing her name on the cement wall by disintegrating the top layer. Alex chides her, just like he did his other sister, calling her by her real name. You're supposed to call me Energizer. But I gotta say, this is kind of smart. You have Katie showing her power by practicing writing, something five-year-olds should be doing, and you have her practicing the use of her power. This includes wiping away another layer when Alex makes her erase it. Two other plot points. The first is that their Gramps is taking them out to the ball game where they'll be getting edible legumes and caramelized popcorn and possibly never returning. Hooray! We love Gramps. And the second plot point, well, more of a weird alteration to avoid using real names, they're going to a club's mechs game, and Bates was a Red Hawks player. I don't get it. What's wrong with those names? Well, they are joke names, like silly names. You mean funny names? Strange names. They may be, but I want to know what position he plays. Who? Uh, the guy in first. Who's on first? Did we just start an Abbott and Costello routine? Maybe. Like I was saying, those names, the clubs and mechs, are not real team names. Uh, they have to be? I literally just read a comic where I saw those teams playing. It's like the Three Stooges have a podcast. Ding dong! Well, that must be Gramps. Julie does a quick zoom through an open window and costumes off before opening the door and giving Grandpa a big hug. He asks her if she's ready for the game. No. Jack and Dad watch baseball on TV all the time. It's boring. I hate it. He explains that it is much more exciting in person. Plus, as the rest of the kids show up, he tells them that there will be fireworks if Slugger sets a new record. Hey, they mentioned the title of this book. Hi, Gramps. Will you buy me a baseball hat and a flag like Jack? Sure enough, Jack, like a true baseball fan, is decked out in Mex gear. It should be the Mets. Who are they? I don't know. Third base! I feel like I was walked into this one.
Brent Anderson has the kids on the subway again, and again I'm impressed. Check out some of that graffiti. I see Shooter for the Editor-in-Chief, X-Men, and King, which may be a call-out to Jack the King Kirby. Katie is swinging on a pole like little kids are wont to do. Julie's reading like Julie does, and Alex and Jack are talking baseball cards. Did you guys ever collect baseball cards? I never collected baseball cards. I collected uh, Star Wars trading cards and when I was a kid, and then I think when I was in college, I collected uh, Marvel series cards for the characters and alien versus predator cards Uh, i was a big baseball card collector when i was a kid i was a big dodgers fan and so i had like every steve garvey card but you know money was tight and it came down to cards with really gross cement flavored gum or comic books and and i went comic books all the way because i'm super cool yep You are, you are, you are. <laughs> as long as we can all realize that they both were, uh, you know, shell games, and uh, oh yeah, you know, we didn't, we never got as much money as we thought we would with our investments. I got cement flavored gum. I was very happy. <laughs> I was like, that was. I'm like, hey, that are... stuff is great when you use it on flooring. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If you ever need to do some tiling, you get some of that gum. Goes the train. And Kitty knocks into Jack, causing an impromptu game of 52-card pickup. During this pickup game of baseball cards, they realize that the last time they went somewhere with Grandpa, they were attacked by a monster. And they hope that this thing doesn't happen again. I mean, the odds would have to be pretty astronomical to have that happen a second time, right? Yeah, um, in Marvel Comics, that'd be like one-to-one. And then we are at Shea Stadium. Pause the podcast, people. During the next few pages, we are going to gush about the amazing art of Brent Anderson. We have said this before, and we will say this again. We love Brent's backgrounds. And I think nothing is better than the shots of the stadium, especially when they get inside. I think, Sean, you mentioned that you and your friend do an Astro City podcast, so you know all about the awesomeness of Brand Anderson. Yeah, I will argue that pound for pound, Anderson has the best acting in, in comics, that his characters come the most alive, have the sort of most unique facial features. They emote better than, I mean, anybody this side of George Perez. Yeah, it was really prevalent in this issue, too. It was yeah. crazy. It was just like, look at this joy. Look at the sadness. Look, It was, yeah, everything was very up front just emotion wise it was great and i am always a big big fan of the backgrounds i Mm -hmm. think he does an amazing job on the backgrounds too yeah and i I love john byrne he's the polar opposite of john byrne where you know you have clint barton steve rogers and hank pym walk walk into a room and no one knows who's who like you know (laughs) (laughs) no it was the blonde it's a blonde white guy it's the blonde white guy Anderson's got a range of faces. So as they're walking their way to the gate, there are crowds of people all around. And Jack thinks he spies Batman Bates. Are you sure it is not the guy wearing a cowl? Gramps gets the kids some sodas and popcorn, and they head to their seats. Now here is a really interesting piece of artwork. It is a grayed out crowd scene that you can easily identify each face. I had a theory that many of these faces are comic book creators circa from 1985. I just could not find anything about this anywhere. So I reached out to Brent Anderson and he answered back. So standing top row, left to right, you got Al Williamson, Sergio Argones, and I'm going to mess up these names. Seated next row, Jack Abel, Bill Wu, Opus, actually Brent Anderson himself. Seated next row, Bob Wyacek, Leela Dowling, Ken Macklin, June Brigman, Carl Potts, Rebecca Salmi, Tom Orchitowski. <laughs> Seated next row, uh, he couldn't remember who that was, Joe Chiaudo, Terry Austin, Somerset Holmes, Brett Blevins, Pat Blevins. And the only two he didn't remember are the pretty blonde girl with curls to the left and the guy just behind Somerset and Terry. I thought this was extremely helpful, and it was it was really cool that he actually gave us that information. No, so. that was really neat, especially due to the fact that, uh, you know, a lot of times in crowd scenes or something in comics, you look and you're like, yeah, it's just faces. But these all had a very crisp, distinct kind of imagery to them. We were like, those don't look like crowd. Those look like people. Right. Yeah. 
So the fact that you actually kind of figured out and tracked him down and uh, got an answer on that to find out that, yeah, this was just him cameoing his uh, co-workers and friends. That's really, really cool. Yes, it's a very cool picture. I love that little touch. Marvel's always been really good about doing a shared universe where, yeah. you know, the power kids are flying to school and Spider-Man swinging by in the background. I like when they take it to a meta level and they include, you know, the, the pencilers and writers and inkers and staff in the in the books as well because it just makes you feel like you're part of the family. It's, it's fun. It's fun yes. to be in on the joke. Yeah, I love, love, love this page. Not only for that in-comic shout-out, but also for the long shot of the stadium and just the obvious joyful feelings the kids and Gramps have it being there. Now, I'm not a baseball fan or a sports fan, but the closest I can get to this is going to our local Portland Thorns soccer games. There's a pulse and feeling you get in a crowd of sports fans. The kids are all taking it in, and they look across the field with some binoculars, and they see the field staff setting up the fireworks. Put that in your memory bank, and let's get back to the game. Four innings in, Slugger's at bat, and the clubs are not giving him a chance. Hey, better, 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 better. Hey, better, better, better. Swing batter. He can't hit, he can't hit, he can't hit, he can't hit. Swing batter. And it doesn't matter. They're going to walk him. Julia's pretty upset about this, and Jack looks pretty smug. Alex explains that she should hate the game, not the player. Katie is hungry for some hot dogs. We all are, Katie. We all are. Out of the concessions, Jack sees someone who looks exactly like Batman. The cape gives it away. No, Batman baits. And this time, he runs over for an autograph. Mr. Bates! Mr. Bates! Can I have your autograph right here on your baseball card? (laughs) I'm not done. (laughs) A grouchy old man voice, being happy and bouncy. I just was really waiting to see how you would do that one. This old guy denies him and then tears off on a rant about how nobody cares. Everyone is there just to see Slugger, hoping he'll break the record so they can see fireworks. And something about how there will be fireworks, all right, like nothing they have ever imagined. I guess he could have also said, there's nothing to see here. All is well. Move along. Yeah, this guy's about as subtle as the Kurgan in church. Way subtle with his denial and threats. Highlander reference. Very nice. To top it off, the angry ranting jerk turns around and runs into a couple of fans, which also caused something to fall out of his pocket. I was sure it was him. Alex assures Jack, contrary to his crazy ramblings, that that was in fact Jack's hero. Jack, meanwhile, reaches down and finds a blasting cap that fell from Batman's utility belt. Uh, I mean Bates' pocket. Dun, dun, dun! And how do we know that it is a blasting cap? Well, Alex recognizes it from a safety film he had seen at school. Uh, Apparently, Alex has been attending some mining classes at uh, PS 108. I don't know. Maybe Alex has signed up for some special elective classes. Big bangs and the Big Apple. Fully note for me in the future. uh, Insert rim shot here and remove this line. You forgot to add the FX and to remove the line, didn't you? Yeah, probably. (laughs) Let's just follow the quartet filled with questions back to the game currently in progress. Uh, The kids are enjoying the game. Well, Katie's really enjoying the hot dog. It's like going to town on it in this panel. Meanwhile, Jack and Julia are checking the field for Slugger. They notice that Bates is goofing with the fireworks in front of a crate labeled TNT. And I'm dynamite. Oi, oi. (laughs) Well, obviously, they believe that this is going to go bad because they found a dynamite blasting cap. So the older three make a command decision that Katie needs to go to the bathroom and they haul a surprise Katie out of her seat to find a cop. Come on, Katie. You've got to go to the bathroom. But Julie, I don't. Yes, you do. Come on. Alex is explaining everything that they suspect Batman Bates has done to the policeman. And it looks like they're being very convincing. Until Jack, who has been following the game on his Walkman, hears that Slugger is almost up. Power Pack must stop this. Just James on! 
With the fuming fledgling Foggy, the fearless family of four flies for the field, fleeing fast from a flummox flatfoot. I cannot believe you guys really made me say this ridiculously Stanley-esque alliterative line. Welcome to the podcast, friend, where we torture each other with words. So the kids are trying to get around the diamond before Slugger slugs one, and Jack says, At least I don't see Batman anywhere. That is the point of Batman, Jack. You don't see him. He is caped and cowled ninja. He is one with the night. Well, you're right. They don't see that Batman because they are looking for this Batman. And they don't see him either. Continuing on, they do make it to the fireworks area because they find an unconscious individual. Could it be? Is it possible? Yes, it is possible. It's an unconscious Stan. Uh, Stan? Stan, the night watchman. He has had a lot of bad nights. What's he doing here? You see, after having moved to California and having a very upsetting turn as a night watchman at Disneyland due to having a near heart attack when Professor Gilbert's AI robots at the Hall of Presidents turned on, Stan decided to head back to the East Coast and start his life anew. You see, he had picked up some training from the fireworks experts at Disneyland, and he was able to turn those skills into a new job with setting up fireworks at Shea Stadium, something that he feels will be safer than being a night watchman. Nice. Unfortunately, during his first night at work, as he is happily setting up and checking on the display, he is knocked out by a disgruntled old ball player and left to die in a potential fiery explosion. Stan. Poor Stan. Poor. Poor. Stan. Another bad night for an ex-night watchman. Um, I've been reading Power Pack. I've not been reading The Amazing Adventures of Stan, the Night Watchman. I, I think you guys might be making some stuff up. We get lonely in the basement, so we do. Crack. Oh no, Slugger has nailed a pitch and appears to be a homer. Will be... homed? Question mark? No, no, that, that did not work. Well, I will tell you what does work. Jack's crazy idea to stop the screamer. Check out this insanity. He floats up in front of the ball, then quickly shrinks down to the size of a cell phone, like directly in the ball's path. Whap. Jeff, can you recreate this for us? I have a ball right here. Um, wait, this is a bad idea. Whap. Jack just takes the ball with his body. He, and the now seam-split baseball, land in the field. The right fielder, focusing on making a play, grabs the ball and misses the bruised tiny boy who catches his breath and clouds away. Thanks to Jack's interference, the home run was averted and Slugger was tagged out at home plate. Jack is feeling really upset about this. Or maybe it's just because he's broken everything. As a kid who loved the game, he just caused his favorite player to miss a home run and his team to miss scoring and taking the lead. But he had to do it. He had to prevent what they believed would be an explosion from occurring. Yes, today Jack learned the meaning of the expression, with great density comes great responsibility. And he just had a body slam a flying baseball. Doesn't everybody? Speaking of explosions, the other three kids have a job to do. They're taking care of business. Every day. Or they could just be tracking down Bates, a.k.a. Mr. Grumpy Explody Pants. And boy, howdy do they find him, ranting about how he has been cheated out of everything, and that he is going to go to glory and take everyone with him. So they take him out by pulling off a modified fastball special with Julie tossing the Calix combo at the angry aged athlete. I really want there to be a sound effect here, as Alex slams the old goat's lower back. What is the sound of an old man's lower back disintegrating? Me getting up off the floor after playing with my daughter. Katie is directed to disintegrate the wiring, rendering the explosion inert. And thanks to a quick jack warning, the kids hide behind a sign in time. The cops, quick to the party but slow to the potential crime scene, start pulling some pieces together. Apparently, Bad Boy Bateman was in a demolitions unit during the war. His experience left him with some serious PTSD, 
and he recently escaped from a VA hospital. One of the cops is left wondering how the dynamite would even have been set off. It was not even connected, thanks to Katie's quick disintegrating of the wire. And he would have gotten away with it too if it weren't for those lousy kids. Oh dear God, this is nothing but an episode of Scooby-Doo. Wait, who would be Shaggy and Velma? Katie and Julie. Zoinks, y'all! The kids are like all kinds of pleased with themselves. Except for Jack. The poor cloud boy is still upset that he has taken away Slugger's chance for a home run, and his team chance for a win. Jack may have been against Slugger breaking the record, but he's a good egg. He believes in the game, and fair play. I mean, at least the game is still going on. I mean, it's a good thing that they did not have to evacuate the stadium after finding a pile of dynamite. Wavy hand comic book logic. And the police said that they were going to keep it all quiet. Time passes, and soon it is the bottom of the ninth. The mechs are down with Slugger at bat. And the pitcher is throwing wide, looking for a walk. The kids notice this, and Jack gets himself an idea. Katie is dragged off to the bathroom again, leaving poor Grandpa to worry if she should see a doctor. Our fearless foursome find the field and finalize their plan. After a third ball, the kids get set. The pitcher throws the ball. Katie unleashes some power balls high in the air, making it look like fireworks, distracting and confusing the crowd and players, and gaining the mental ire of Gramps about these baseball rowdies that they didn't have back in his day. Slugger swings in a really cool four-panel slow-motion shot. Julie turns on the power, full blast, not even leaving a rainbow with her speed. Correct! And as the outfielder reaches to catch the ball, Julie tips it back up and over the fence. Boom indeed. Yep. As the fireworks are set off and the crowd goes wild. Yay! Julie comes in for a landing and Alex comments that he thinks she broke the sound barrier. Now, we have some debriefing with all four kids trying to work out the moral rights and wrongs about what they did. Jack feels that it is all mixed up. They cheated Slugger out of his hit, then cheated again to make it right. Alex brings up the two wrongs don't make a right defense but says that he thinks that this time they do. Julie feels that they just had to do something, especially because Slugger had tried really hard. Yeah, and Mr. Bates used to be a good player too, but he thought the war cheated him. And look how he turned out. What if Slugger had felt cheated and turned out like Mr. B? The kids meet back up with Gramps, and nearly everyone is all smiles, except Jack. He is staring at his prized Bates card. According to my fictional Beckett's price guide, probably worth about $500. Oh, less now. His record was tied. I mean, he's not important anymore and, you know, jail? Ooh, too soon. Too soon. I think it's a bit deeper than that. He says this guy is a criminal who would hurt other people, so he tosses the card towards the trash. But another kid picks it up and calls over to Jack. Hey kid, you don't want it? Huh? The Bates card. Can I have it? I don't care if he lost. My pop says he was the greatest. Look, kid, I'm not dumping it because he lost. It's just that he, he, oh heck. Go on and take it. He'd want you to remember him that way. Gee, thanks a lot. Yeah, you're welcome. And as Jack walks away from the panel, in true comic fashion, this song can be heard. I have lost my baseball hero. No more cares that he swung for home. All I wanted was my childhood of baseball. Uh, that song didn't happen. It did in my head, Cannon. Welcome to my hell, Sean. <laughs> Next issue, school days. Gentlemen, what'd you guys think? How's that uh, issue grabbing you? What do you guys think about Fallen Heroes? 
I think a lot of the stuff that got touched on but didn't get really uh, explicitly explained is a lot has a lot stronger resonance for me. It's kind of like, oh, PTSD. They kind of they kind of touched into it, but uh, you know, it was like, oh, he's the villain, and we got to stop him. Oh yeah, and he went crazy in the war, and you know, it's kind of funny because you know, in the past, it was just sort of like it wasn't PTSD. It wasn't sure. shell shock. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was just like ah, he cracked. Right. He just went nuts. And now it's very much like, wait, no, this is like a mental trauma that people have taken. And this guy was suffering from it to a point where he was going to kill a stadium's worth of people. Right. A couple things on that. I think that on some levels, because they're kids and they probably don't have that much exposure to people who have PTSD or, mm-hmm. or, or you know. Oh, it wasn't in, even in them that, that said it. Yeah, it was I mean, the cops that said it. It's the cops that yeah. said it. But I mean, you know, the kids don't touch on it all that much because they aren't really, for, you know focused on it you mm-hmm. know it's, it's not something that kids that age would do and also kind of like you were saying at the time it was less of a touch point than it is yeah. now yeah it was uh, just as prevalent but yes. it's actually understood to be like yeah this is a serious serious subject it's, yeah. and so to have the kids even just kind of tangentially experience this it's weird because it's, I kind of understand where Jack's like, this was my hero. He's tried to mm-hmm. kill people and tossing his card. He's not my hero anymore. But at the same time, it's just like, he was your hero because, yeah, it was, he could have been a decent guy then, but he's had some hardships that sure. he's, you know, he's he escaped from a VA hospital. Yeah. He was in another kind of hospital before that. He's been basically kind of seeming like he spent his entire adult life dealing with the consequences of his wartime experience. Well, I, I think you guys are hitting on an important note because I think, you know, a lot of this issue is about identity and, you know, Batman Bates identifies himself as Batman Bates, I think, because if, if he's not that, you know, if he's not the baseball player, then he's the soldier and the soldier only contains pain. And you're right, they don't delve too deeply into it. But I like the fact that they dance around it a little bit, that the kids, interestingly, I think the kids in their experiences as, her- as heroes are starting to get a greater sense of the variety of the world, like variety of what it means to be a hero or what it means to be a villain. And even amongst themselves, because it leads into a real moral quandary for them. Like, Hey, we saved this stadium, but we actually ruined slugger, you know, and, and he may actually grow one day to, to get vengeance or, you know, to, to be angry like Batman Bates. So they have to make a, a paradoxical moral decision. So it's a fun, it, it's a, it's the rare comic that can talk to kids without talking down to kids. And it's one of the reasons I loved this book when I was younger. No, that's definitely good points on all those. The book is amazing that it touches some really deep issues in a very almost bubblegum fun Mm -hmm. setting. I mean, it's it's not bubblegum, I would say, but it's not ultra cheesy. It's not ultra bubblegummy. It's especially for the 1980s time period it's very cl- it's as close as they drew to real life experiences having the having these relatable kids experience these things and talk about them in a way that like you said it's not talking down to them but it's actually giving them a an understanding uh, a voice to talk about these things an outlet to actually experience them and to see them in in real life all these kids probably saw uncles dads people that they knew relatives of some sort that we're suffering from these kinds of things. We're suffering from the dis- disassociation of what they did in the war, what they used to be in life, and trying to come to terms with what that is now. It's just you see these, you know, kind of like you're talking about too, Jeff, with the hero worshiping mm-hmm. or with the, with trying to deal with their heroes. That made me think that these kids continuously see superheroes and they've interacted with a lot of different superheroes, but they're always seeing the other sides of them. The only superhero that they've only tangentially really touched is Spider-Man. And that's kind of like the golden star superhero. And he just came at them with, hey, you kids are too young for this, go home. All the other superheroes he met are damaged or kind of broken. 
So they're heroes, but you see a lot more of the darker shading on them, especially Cloak and Dagger. Uh, the X-Men in the last issue we covered, you know, they're, they're, they're thought of as villains too. Mm-hmm. It's Once again, they're, they're seeing another one of their heroes, somebody Jack really admired, in a bad light. I think the thing I love about this this issue too, though, is you know Marvel's always been the world outside your window, and the one these power pack issues, in particularly like the the aquarium issue, you know issues nine and ten, mm-hmm. and then this issue, and and even actually the next issue, school days. I love power pack because it's it's often set in really traditional settings like when i was a kid i used to totally pretend to be the fifth member of power pack and and i say fifth because franklin doesn't count and i (laughs) you know and i would i would play these little adventures in my head and so the fact that they're like at a baseball game or at school or at an aquarium it just makes it it, it's easier to 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 play that out in your head than it is to say be at you know xavier's mansion or avengers mansion or everybody has a mansion you know or four freedoms plaza or something so i liked this issue in particular because i think it's an issue only power pack pulls off i think it's the you know the the sweetness of a baseball game the sweetness of a family you know juxtaposed against this you know very simple deceivingly simple plot yeah i have always loved the uh, slice of life episodes where it's just like oh yeah they fly into space and they can fight elder gods and stomp on submerged cities or whatever but it's always the yeah but they got to go to the store you know it's it's always the mm-hmm. the day-to-day life parts that are always fantastic in uh, superhero genre stuff just them walking around in plain clothes or uh them interacting with other kids their age them being in school i, I still go back to i think it was issue seven or eight um where they were on their first day of school yeah and just that couple of pages where they're interacting with kids with regular kids after having the summer of adventure yeah it being able to as a kid put yourself into that setting and think yes these kids are just like me oh except they have superpowers yeah they can face down a, a swarm of snarks but they feel bad yeah you know, it's like alex feeling bad because his tie got made fun of by three kids playing basketball it's like, or Aw. they can take down snarks but they can't fix their hero turning evil yeah I want to touch really quickly on on something with the consecutive ball games because mentioning it again when we did talk to uh, June Brigman. Hey, did you know that we had an interview <laughs> with June Brigman? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Hey, did you guys interview June? Brigman? Yes, we yes, did we interview did. June yes, Brigman. Yes, we did. We did interview her, and she she <laughs> did mention this, and she did mention that you know she was glad that uh, Brandon Anderson did this because she didn't know baseball that well. But this the reason why they chose, and one of the reasons why they chose this setting or this kind of story arc was because they like to pick things that Carl Potts, their editor, liked. And one of the things he liked was he liked baseball. So they decided they were going to do a baseball game. But also the consecutive uh, homers in a game, I was looking this up. And not being a world sports fan, I did some diving on that lovely tool, the internets. There was a guy, Dale Long, who was a Pirates player. Between May 19th and May 28th of 1956, he had a streak of, he gets eight homers, eight consecutive homers in games. And, well, it held for, for many, many years. And he was actually interviewed in 1986, which is about, you know, a little bit before, around the same time here. Yeah, one year before. One year before. After. So after, sorry. sorry. So this, this issue was, is, eight, yeah, this this was 85. After, and yeah, one year. But this, yeah, this, he was interviewed in 86, so, I mean, this record was still out there. But he had mentioned in 86, you know, someday somebody will break it and they'll forget me. Long told the Chicago Tribune in 1986, it's there to be broken. They break them all the time. So it's kind of interesting that we see you got this one guy here who he feels, you know, once he's forgotten, he's forgotten, and then he's not going to exist anymore. You have somebody here in the real world that recognizes it. Yeah, once my record is broken, I'm going to be forgotten. But 
that's what records are there for. Yeah. So it's kind of that here's somebody who has a healthy mind, healthy self-image and realizes the tie between records and mor- mortality. And then you have this other individual who has gone through something traumatic and has that dissociation and can't realize that there's a difference. So I just thought it was very interesting. See, I think the issue also, it's really cool that it's a baseball game. Because baseball, I, I would argue, is not the national pastime anymore. And and I'm actually from I'm I'm from Julie's camp. I baseball is my favorite sport to play, but it is ungodly to watch. <laughs> and and I I think it's you know though I love the fact that they're at a baseball game in the '80s though because it really was America's pastime. It was a little bit of a slower time. And I think that you know this it it's that sense of of Americana and what bonds us together. And they're there with their grandpa, so it's sort of generational. And I think it's really sweet. It adds an, an underlying sweetness to the issue that that. Simonson and Anderson really bring out. I agree. I agree. Speaking of which, I'm going to break out my library card. I was trying to find some literature in this book, and it's not really explicit, so I'm going to read into what I saw. (laughs) Julie was reading a pink book on page six. Through my extensive secretive research, I can declare beyond a shadow of a doubt that she is reading The Natural by Bernard Malamud. Uh, We all know the movie, and the movie is based upon the 1952 novel about baseball, and I think every. I hope everybody's seen the movie with Robert Redford because it's a fantastic movie. And I would say it's probably one of the best baseball movies that's out there. I'm not going to go into too much because I think we're running a little bit long. But I'm going to say that Julie is reading The Natural, the original book, Mm -hmm. which will become a very good movie. Okay. (laughs) That's what I'm saying she's reading. The pink cover edition of The Natural? Yes, it's pink cover. What do you think's on inside that pink book? Science? I was thinking this was going to happen later, not uh, now. Cause... Okay. Uh, once again, Rick has surprised me with my own corner. He backed me. He backed me into my science corner without me knowing it happened. Nope. Nope. I'm like science corners down the way. Nope. Wait. Nope. A, wait a minute. What? I'm here. Nope. 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 I cut it. I cut it right quick. <laughs> yeah, you did. You're just like she read a book as a natural. You. I think we can see the per- the parallels. I don't need to explain them. I'm I'm doing this for in the interest of time. That, that sounds really great. Okay, so uh, remember earlier in the issue when Alex had a really good question? No. Okay. Well, if you don't, <laughs> which apparently you don't, uh, it was this: Do you know what that ball would do if it fell 13 stories? What if it hit someone? Well, let's find out. A baseball weighs 0.32 pounds, and 13 stories is about 130 feet. We do some math, and we find that it would take 2.84 seconds for the ball to hit the ground, and it would be traveling at just over 62 miles an hour. The energy at impact would be 56.31 joules of kinetic energy, and this is equivalent to being hit by 774 pounds, or a Harley with a rider on it, traveling at about one mile an hour. Now, this might sound more like a forceful nudging than a bad thing, but the problem with this is the baseball size. You see, the ball is a small object. So all of that force is being concentrated into one small location. And for this example, let's say that this location is your face. Ouch. Here's the scenario. You're out walking, looking up at the completely normal cloud and rainbow when wham, a baseball smacks you right in your upturned gob. Ouch. (laughs) Ouch indeed. When something hits your face, the bone in your face compresses, and that's where the bruises and fractures come in. But then, after the skull stops moving in response to the ball's energy, the brain continues moving in the same direction and compresses against the skull. At high speeds, such as in a vehicle crash, this can cause the brain tissue and blood vessels to stretch or even hemorrhage. So when a baseball hits you in the face, the injury starts as a simple smack to your facial bone, but can quickly progress into outright brain trauma. 
And that's not the only complication. When a ball hits you in your upper face, it can fracture the delicate bones around the sinuses and eye sockets, sometimes resulting in vision loss. When the ball hits your lower face, it may change how your jaw is situated or break your teeth. Nasal injuries can be among the most serious, especially if they result in breathing difficulties. So, in summary, try and avoid being hit in the face by baseballs. Also, you might want to avoid that one apartment building in Manhattan. Weird things seem to happen there. Uh, on that note, let's move to Final Thoughtsville. Um, refrigerator Gallery. We are going to talk about what piece of art in this book needs to be on our family's refrigerators. Once again, I'm going to go ahead and toss it over to our wonderful guest. What uh, is your backup? Or if you got a special mention or a joke one? So the special mention actually goes to Batman Bates' mole. <laughs> uh, I think Brent Anderson draws with such fantastic detail that uh, that mole comes to life. I actually nicknamed it Ignacio, <laughs> and I think it was Ignacio whispering into Batman Bates's ear that made him, you know, try to blow up the stadium. It's it is a it is a mighty mole. It is uh, I think it has its own atmosphere, mm. and so that was my backup piece of art. I thought Anderson did a really good job on I, that. I'm, I'm seeing I'm seeing that on on page ten. That's where we get a real good close yep. up of that side of his face yeah. with that mole. And I, I yeah yeah no I. I see what I see what you're laying down there, sir. I see what you're laying down there. <laughs> mm-hmm. I want to see if Jeff's got a special mention or oh, a joke one. Do I ever have a joke? You piece always of have artwork? a joke one. Yes, I do have a joke artwork. It's in the bottom right hand corner of page thirteen, and I call it questionable rainbow. <laughs> Because there's a confused and concerned looking police officer with a giant question mark next to his head in front of a uh, rainbow and a cloud. And he looks, he's questionable about the rainbow's veracity of existing in in such an indoor spot of the stadium. And I think he's saying, ooh. (laughs) (laughs) So questionable rainbow. I also have a special me- mention. This, you, this is a, hey, we all do. This, this is great. This, this is a special mention one. I wanted to point this out because I, I just think it's an amazing shot. It's on page eight. It's in the middle. I mean, of course, at the top of page eight, it's a fantastic uh, piece of artwork, and we've already talk about, talked about it. But Yeah, it's the one with all the uh, cameos. With all the cameos. But right below that, right in the middle of the page, it's the shot of the stadium. And I just love the magnitude and majesty and and the crowd size. I mean, you can just see this entire stadium filled with the crowd. It is packed. It's packed. And you see the, the background uh, with the, the scoreboard. I went mm-hmm. and looked up a picture of Shea Stadium from the mid-1980s, mm-hmm. and I found nearly the identical picture. It looks almost the same. I mean, it's you can tell that Brian Anderson went to this park. He drew this from what he saw at the park. It just it, There's a level of detail here that I think is amazing. Mm-hmm. It was authentic down to the clubs and yes. the mechs plan. And, and I will make sure I put a side-by-side up on, on our website. Oh, that'll be cool. Yeah, that'll look really neat. I, I want to see that. Yeah. Uh, I've actually been to Shea Stadium. I, I was there and I, uh, even before it became City Field, and that is exactly what it looks like. So, no, Anderson did his job. Nice. Uh, your backup, sir? So, my backup is actually on page two. It's the first long vertical panel of Julie going in to catch the pop fly that Jack just hit. Mm -hmm. And it is so well drawn by Anderson because this is a tough perspective because we're looking above, Julie sweeping in to catch the ball, Jack sort of flying rapidly towards it to insult her catching style. (laughs) Alex and Katie are on the ground and Katie has even sort of fallen back because she's looking up at the action. And there aren't probably 10 pencilers in the business who can draw that and nail the perspective the way Anderson does. So that would be my backup. You know, another reason why Katie might be uh, falling backwards on the ground is because it looks like she was nailed by the bat. Yeah, the bat looks like the bat's coming right towards her. She's like putting up her arm like, oh, God. (laughs) Jack was not paying attention and just dropped the bat as he went cloudy because he's a jerk. (laughs) Nice. I like that one. like that one a lot. That is a really good one. 
How about you, sir? Backup. Uh, my backup. Hey, cool. I don't have very far to go. <clears throat> also, my backup is also on page two, and it is in the bottom left-hand corner. <laughs> and I call it Hole in One. <laughs> it is a, a picture of Cloud Jack uh, being center-masked by a baseball from Julie. And it just looks great because all it is, it's just, it's a line drawing. So it's black lines, white, uh, you know, white paper, and the uh, kind of blue shadowing. And it's very expressive, and it just looks great. I, I thought that was a great little image. Uh, you know, no, that's another great choice. There's not too much bad art in this entire thing, but I, I like, you're right, that is something that's very special. It's mm-hmm. it's very cool looking. Yeah, and in fact, speaking just as an aside on the art, sure. I think the first time that Brent Anderson uh, did Power Pack, I was like, yeah, it looks different. I don't know. But this time I, I, I opened it up, and I'm like, Okay, yeah, this is a power pack, and it's great. Yep, yep, And yep. then Rick's like, yeah, Brent Anderson did this one. I'm like, it just looks great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't care who made the pretty pictures. It just looks nice. So <laughs> I'm going to move us forward to page 20, and this is the four-panel page of Slugger uh, hitting yeah. the baseball because it is just such a wonderful, wonderful action sequence. I mean, he's got the bat up. He's coming down mid-swing connects with the ball and finishes his swing with a crack at the last two panels it's just it's really cool fluid slow motion action i like that no that's great all right top so, picks. so now we can start taking multiple panels and make them our number one cho- our, our choice that we i can like. say that one whole i really like pages two through 18 it's, it's one it's, this is one shot it is it is, just, it is it is it is it's yeah it's it's a what is it's it? like it's, an, it's, 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 yeah Zoroscope, whatever those things are all right Top. What's our top picks here, sir? So I'm totally going to break the rules, uh, as Jeff just said, and I'm going to pick a series of panels because I'm the guest. So I'm going to go to page 16 when Jack shrinks down to interrupt Slugger's home run. You just yeah yep. you yep that's my you got my number I think, one I think I think all three of us have the same number oh, one that's <laughs> although although, uh, although Sean is grabbing extra pages, oh I'm grabbing extra so panels cool. yeah the shot yeah. of Jack himself you know taking that fly ball I mean the the way again Anderson in perspective it, you know those two things are the same size so it could look like it's a giant ball hitting a normal size boy but in fact it, <laughs> yeah because yeah, he's in arcades uh, arcade of death yeah exactly yeah. But, it, you know, it's it's really obvious that he's using his power. It's a creative use of the power. But then the way Anderson depicts the outfielder in, like, fluid motion, bending down, grabbing the ball, and throwing it. I mean, that's actually pitch-perfect form if you're an outfielder. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, Anderson just, just nails that moment. This entire page is just, it's, you also have the, the shot of Slugger sliding into home and getting tagged out, which is another action shot. It's like those four panels there are just pretty dang amazing. Yeah. It's, it's I, fantastic. Uh, but yeah, the, just that, that shot with Jack taking that ball. Yeah. Oh. I called it oof. Yeah. Mine yeah. was a uh, Jack meatball. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's talk about some words. Let's talk about rubber and glue moment. Let's talk about what was the best or most childish insult. And uh, this time, let's go ahead and start with you, Jeff. Okay. My, my backup is Jack on page two, and it is, you hold your glove like a pancake flipper, Julie. <laughs> Pancake flipper. That's a that's a new insult, but that's a that's a yeah. it's an insult. So it's an insult. So <laughs> an that insult. was that, that's my backup. Uh, Sean, what's your backup? That was actually my backup too. I uh, <laughs> and it reminded me. It absolutely was. I mean, he is totally. But you said earlier, boy, explaining baseball to her, and when he Just called her, actually, yeah, and he, and he doesn't technically call her a pancake flipper, but I read it that way, and I was like, <laughs> oh, it's, it's like when Bobby Heaton used to call wrestlers ham and eggers, and I was like, oh, this is perfect. I love this. 
You're a real so pancake yeah. flipper is what you are. <laughs> You're a pancake flipper. I am using that insult from now on. I think so. What's up, pancake flipper? Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> All right, well, I might be a pancake flipper, but at least I don't have 10 cats. Oh. Yeah. Snap. Snap. Um, I'm just going to the next page, and I'm choosing somebody else besides Jack. I am choosing Julie. Hmm. Because on the next page, and uh, it is... It didn't go wild, you baseball blockhead. That is my number one. <laughs> Yeah, that's my first that's choice. That's your first choice? Yeah. Yeah. Baseball blockhead. Yep. It's a fine, fine insult. Yep. My number one. All right. Yep. You have anything else you want to say about it since it's your number one? Julie said it and it was great. <laughs> and, and I liked hearing your uh I liked hearing Cindy say it, so that was good. Cindy does it well. She does it very well. What is your top pick, Sean? It was two pages later for me when they are still on the roof and Katie has written her name in the wall and then wiped it away. And Jack's like, well, you know, what are you going to do if you power up? And she's like, I'll fire a powerball into the sky. And he's like, yeah, I'd probably hit a plane or something. Girls. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, oh Jack, yeah. you're such a jerk. And you're also arguing with a five-year-old who can blast you in the face with energy. So yeah. you're just dumb on multiple levels, Jack. Yeah. Look, we covered that in an earlier episode, actually, in a science yeah. corner. If, if, as long as he's a cloud, he's okay. All right. I, I am going to choose from my top pick somebody we haven't chosen before. I'm choosing Gramps. Oh, oh, I was going to pick Gramps, but I said he's not part of the kids, but he is part of the family. He's part of the family. And, it's and a great we're, line. We're talking about childish insults. We're talking about yeah. childish oh, insults. Oh, it is great. And, it is great. And you can be young. You can be old. It doesn't matter if you're family or not. If it's a childish insult, we want to have it on yep. here. And it's a great one. It is um, baseball rowdies. Oh, I was thinking it was going to be a different one. I was thinking it was going to be uh, when they kept pulling Katie out to go to the, the quote-unquote bathroom, and he's like, a girl ought to see a doctor. Yeah, that, that's not really a child. I didn't see that as a childish insult, but just calling everybody baseball rowdies. Yeah. There's a, it's, 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 it's right in the same vein as, get off my lawn, you kids. Yeah, you hooligans. Hooligans, <laughs> baseball rowdies. So, and then, uh, yeah, got your top one. Okay. So now we are two stars in detention. We mm -hmm. want to identify the child who was the best and who was the worst in the issue. And like always, we're going to start off with the... Detention. All right. <laughs> so Because you forget. I forget every time. <laughs> so I'll start off this time. Um, my worst is Alex. Really? I am choosing Alex this time. Okay, reasons? My reasons, I thought all of the kids were really good. And I think that they all were doing something. They were a part of the, the conversation. They were all... Everybody was uh, making things happen. But I just felt that he was a bit of a wallflower. Okay. He just he didn't seem really as part of any of the action. I mean, the others, the other one who really wasn't part of much of the conversation was Katie. But Katie still was doing things in Katie there. Katie was eating hot dogs. She was like eating a hot champ, dogs. Man. She was me at it, anywhere. It, it's just the, the the parts where Katie could have just been a wallflower herself. She was doing things, even as the catcher uh, in the in the scene that Sean pointed out, where they're looking up in the sky. You know, she's falling backwards. You know, she's doing silly things like writing her name in the in the wall. I, I just felt she was still doing a little bit more than Alex was. So mm -hmm. I I chose Alex as my worst. Okay, Sean, how about you? Who is your worst kid? Uh, actually, that goes to Gramps. I, um, he uh, I know he's not a kid. He's a terrible kid. He's like sixty or yeah. seventy. He's yeah. the worst he, child. He's super adult. He's so busy looking through his binoculars at the game that he does not notice his four young grandchildren repeatedly sneaking <laughs> off to do super heroics. And in fact, only complains that Katie keeps going to the bathroom. And I just, they are gone for large swaths of time. 
and he not only doesn't notice they're gone, I mean, he, he's, he clearly just doesn't care. Like, I think Gramps is from the school of, well, there's always more grandchildren to come. Like, I don't think he <laughs> is particularly concerned with them. Uh, I, I just, he is the worst babysitter ever. And now, for the second time in a row, his choice of quote-unquote fun activity it almost <laughs> results in, in mass death. Like, he's just, Gramps is, yeah. So I, so he gets it. He's, he's my detention guy for the day. Hey, do you know who talked about uh, how ignorant the power of adults were in uh, an interview? <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think I think we heard somebody talking yeah, about that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She was June was talking about how just like the parents and we'll say grandparents too are just blissfully, blindly ignorant mm-hmm. to the goings on of their children. I think this is the reason we most of the time we don't include them on 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 detention and stars. Mm-hmm. Or the parents or grandpa because they are they would always lose. Yeah, but well, I think the kids just keep pulling things over on them. Too. Yeah, there's that too. But also, I mean, uh, I can kind of understand it with their parents now. They've had their minds altered. Yes, three yes. times now. Yeah, but uh, so. here's here's Gramps' thing. I mean, this is mid '80s kind of thing, uh-huh. and I mean, it was much more loose on the on the you know what the children do and stuff. And they're going off together as a group. Yeah. Hey, as long as they're in the stadium or yeah. in the aquarium, then it's fine. That's fine. I, I don't yeah. know, man. If you watched a single sitcom in the '80s. A kid on that sitcom got kidnapped at least five times. Like Arnold, different strokes, kidnapped. Dudley, different strokes, kidnapped. Whatever the daughter's name was, kidnapped. Like Gramps should be on guard. He should be watching to make sure nothing happens to these and, kids. And we, and we know nothing bad ever happened to any of the kids that were on different strokes. Oh, oh no, too soon. Mm. Yeah. I was just going to say, well, the Power Pack kids have been kidnapped four yeah, times, times now. Yeah. Yeah. And I also, if not more, oh my god, that is the just the reoccurring theme is the Power Pack kids are kidnapped and then well, they have to do stuff. They're kids, yeah. of course, they're kidnapped. I know you can, they're, they're small, you can pick them up real quick. So, uh, your, your worst kid, Jeff, my worst kid is a tie between Julie and Jack. Pick one, uh, Julie. Julie okay. was worse. I, Jack just constantly was, you know, being Jack, he's being a jerk and just like, you're doing this wrong, you're doing this wrong. And it's like the person's doing it fine, leave him alone. Uh, I thought Julie was bad because she was actively and willfully hoping that something that her brother loved would die. Oh, wow, <laughs> <clears throat> plain and simple. She was just, you love a thing. I hope it's destroyed. That thing you love, I hope is ruined forever. I hope that your day, this day, is the day that you remember that the thing you loved ceased to be. So that's so that's why I'm putting uh, Julie as my detention child. Well, I'm glad that this this episode that we're we're, we're choosing different people. Yeah, everybody's we, all over the place. We're, we're all over the place on this mm-hmm. one. So yeah. uh, you're wrong, but that's okay. <laughs> my head came and I'm right. I agree. Sean agrees with me. He said Julie, too. I think, because I wasn't listening. No, that's not true. He said Krabs. All right, let's talk about the best, then. All right. Let's talk about the best. Yep. I chose Jack. Really? Why? Why? I thought that he had a very interesting character arc this time. Mm-hmm. And I thought that, yes, at the beginning, he was doing his Jack's playing fine. Okay, whatever. And in the middle. <laughs> and a little bit at the end. I, I thought that he did more of a character development at the end. I thought that he, he was the one who really took what they were doing to heart. I mean, they were, you know, making changes to the game. It was affecting him the most, and mm-hmm. you could really see how it was affecting him. Yeah. And he was really struggling with all of the choices that they were making, and even the final choice. I mean, I liked his choices at the end. He he couldn't respect his hero anymore. He was getting the red card, but at the same time, he was a big enough person and a good enough at heart character mm-hmm. that he's not going to just, you know, ruin somebody else's Yeah. Who was him or, a day earlier. Yeah, yeah. He's not going to ruin this other kid's uh, love of the game 
love of the care of the player. I really respected that, and that that sang out more than anything else okay. or any of the other kids. It kind of was a, a jack issue. It was, and it was definitely a jack yeah. issue. And that's not that's not to be a, an automatic for the people to get it. It's just that I I think that there was enough redemption of Jack at the end and, mm-hmm. and how he was viewing his own feelings about what they did and what Batman Bates did. I really like his turn at the end. He had the uh, he had the biggest arc. Yes. Yeah. Sean, I think it's a Jack story. I think you're right. I think the fact that not only does he have the best visual moment with his powers when he stops that fly ball, which is the first time we've really seen him use his powers in, in quite that manner. I mean, we've seen him do a jackhammer. We've never seen him do a jack face before. Um, <laughs> but I, I think... Face me. Yeah, exactly. I think he gets, you know, I think he gets the award. He's the, the most creative use of powers. Again, he grows the most. And that last scene with the kid at the end is is. I mean, that's a really mature moment for him. And, you know, it was. It really yeah. Was. And he's such a brat in a lot of these early issues. But you kind of know in the back of your mind, he's going to be the coolest adult of the four. Like, he's going to be the one you want to yep. know most. And this is that when you start seeing that really happen. Yep. I totally agree. And your choice? Alex, for <laughs> obvious reasons. Alex took a. <laughs> You say, no. I, I saw him as a wallflower. I Go on. Yeah, you saw him as a wallflower. I see him. Uh, he actually took a lot of leadership positions where it was along the lines where it's just like, Katie, you can't. You know, he was kind of the parent of the group, partially. He's like, Katie, stop destroying you know our building that we're, we're living in. Julie, don't throw a ball through Jack. You're endangering innocence. Hey, that's a blasting cap. We need to be superheroes and do what superheroes do, which is go and find an adult and tell the police. Uh uh, I'm sorry, I forgot that this is a, a uh, audio medium, but I was just yawning there. Yeah, <laughs> no, I, I thought that uh, Alex, although his you know levitation power stuff didn't really come to the forefront or anything, I thought that he uh, really stepped up into a leadership position. Yeah, you know, I, I, I everybody's got an off day. I know that you haven't been sleeping that much lately, so I, I I'm willing to accept that you know, yeah, you've, you've made bad choices on this one. I'm willing to say that I t- <laughs> made uh, very good decisions, and that uh, you guys made very good decisions as well. We all made good choices. On that note, G me up, man. Mm-hmm. Well, G-Force, you will realize that you didn't hear us clinking our glasses mm-hmm. or taking a drinky drink mm-hmm. or anything like that in this and, episode. And yet, and yet... Our beers are almost empty. Beers are almost empty. <laughs> That's weird. I don't understand this. I don't know. Magic. There might be a ghost. Or I do have to say, like, you guys invite me on for an episode and there's not a single G in there. I mean, it's like, why don't you just take me to Disneyland and kill all the mascots before I get there? Like, there's literally... Like, we can arrange this. a little bit yeah. cheated, We can arrange this. I feel a little bit yeah, cheated. I, I, you know, I feel like I, I got on the show, I had a beer, and, and there were no Gs. Yep. I just, I don't know. I don't know what to do. I know. It was like, we, we took you to Disneyland, we parked outside, and we said, there it is. And then left. You, you know, the, <laughs> you told me how cool yeah, Space it's Mountain like you was. You would really like Space away. Mountain and the Indiana Jones ride. <laughs> Stay in the car. Either the lack of G's or the absence of G's does not negate the fact that you can still drink the beer. Yeah, you can still drink the beer. That's true. It's, it's, we we are not forcing your hand on this. It is your choice not to drink. Yep. You just don't. You just we just don't boast about we, it. We are not going to hold your hand. You're yeah. you're a big boy. You can handle it. Yeah. <laughs> but in any case, so there was a zero G's zero in this G's. issue again, uh, which gives us a. Uh, New G average of two Gs. It's steadily dropping. Hmm. Uh, we're 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 leaving space, but we're still finding our way back to Earth. In fact, we're at double Earth. Yay! We're double at Earth. two times Earth's normal gravity. So yay! Two uh, two G average, and for the Gs in Toto, uh, we we're are still, still at twenty six, which is that old double and a half uh, airplane maximum G force. So uh, well, there's our G force. There's our, our that part. But that's okay. We still have some things like 
top grades. Mm-hmm. We want to evaluate this issue against the rest of the series, and we got to come to a consensus on this, and it's going to be a three-person consensus. This is going to be fun. Um, <laughs> but, you know, let's let's talk about where we feel that uh, this should be at. Once again, I, I, I like starting with our guest here, Sean. Um, why don't you go ahead and give us a, an area that we should be looking at? Are you feeling that this is a, a top shooter issue of Power Pack, or do you think that this is going to go down in the basement? No, I think this is an archetypal issue of Power Pack. I think it encapsulates what makes this book special, but it's not necessarily the flashiest issue. Right. So I, I would put it honestly squarely at number six i would bump issue nine down and i would put it right after issue one so yeah that's going to be between power play issue one and fishtail which is the first part of the marina two-part saga hey you basically just said in the gramps meta arc there you go yeah you're, yeah. Just, you're saying it's actually that's not a bad place to put it and that's not a bad way to think about it because fishtail and sea hunt issues nine and ten those are the other brent anderson yeah, ones no, the so, other gramps mm-hmm. yeah, other gramps I'm, ones i'm done i'm, uh, I'm with I'm, sean i'm good with that too yeah. i think that this is the new number six and it's going to be of those brent anderson grandpa issues this is the best one of those yep yeah i think that's a pretty good place for it i i hey it's over halfway up on the list and with so far what we've got going on i think that's a great place for it this is not flashy like you said it's very much slice of life which mm-hmm. we like uh, it's a, got a good story in there the the first time i read through it i was going it's eh, kind of boring but once i kind of delved into it i realized that there's a lot of good stuff in well, here there's gotta, a lot of good you got to figure out the depth of it on your own yeah because it is one of those ones where you read and you're like yeah baseball oh, somebody's on fourth yeah. this inning okay it's, cool it's very much like a baseball game. It's it it, it, it could feel a little bit long. It's better then, with beer. It's better with a beer. It's better with a hot dog. Um, but once you get into it and really start to enjoy it and really start to look at the intricacies of the game, mm-hmm. if you will, um, you can start enjoying it for its parts. Mm-hmm. And I think I think it's a really good tale. I think it's a really good slice of life. So all right, um, that moves us on to our beer. Uh, we've already heard about sean's beer that he enjoyed i'm gonna say i'm gonna say that pyramid curveball you're gonna say that's about how many powerballs i uh, i mean it doesn't even get a single powerball it's it's a eunuch man it is not a it is not a good beer it's it's nasty yeah all right we'll put a big goose egg on that one that'll be the first goose egg that we got um jeff what do you what do you think about ours i mean the boundary boundary bay fielder's choice i've been enjoying this one yeah i've been enjoying it it's Uh, it's a nice simple simple ale it is it is pleasant to drink Mm -hmm. it is burpy it's for me it's been burpy i've been kind of over to the side (laughs) but uh but um, yeah it's 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 got a good taste it has it has a very definite beer aftertaste yeah but it's not unpleasant no it's not unpleasant so it is nice three three and a half four probably i'm 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 leaning i'm leaning uh i'm kind of in that same range i'm i'm thinking that i'm thinking this one is one that if I saw it somewhere, I would probably drink it again, especially on a nice hot summer day. No, oh, yeah, I, I would put this as a four. I'm, okay, I'm, yeah. I myself would would say four for this. So yeah, if it was on a list of things where it's like, oh yeah, I know that, and I don't know those, but oh hey, this one, yeah, I could have that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I could throw it as a four. You're gonna throw this four too? Yeah, I'll throw it right. as a four. It's it's, it's tasty. Right. It's a good one. We're we'll say that the uh, fielder's choice. It's a four star or four Powerball beer from us. So up next is Kids Perspective, where Rick asks a question of his seven-year-old daughter about her opinion on the issue. Hi, Carrie. Hi, Daddy. How are you doing today? Good. Excellent. What did you think about this issue of Power Pack? Really great, but it did have some baseball in it, so... Yeah. (laughs) Sure. So not a baseball fan? Well, I haven't played it, so I don't know what it's like. 
And I haven't really taken you to a baseball game or shown nope. you one on TV. Nope. So that kind of confused you a little bit? No, it kind of sounded more like a fun thing. It oh. sounds fun, very fun. Well, that's good. That's that's what it should do. It should make it sound like it's fun, right? Yeah. What did you like about the issue, except besides learning about baseball? I liked that at first it had these like four kids playing baseball at first. Mm-hmm. Jack was teaching Julie how to, to you know, play baseball. It sounds like Julie kind of already knows how to play baseball, but he was just trying to teach her a different way of playing, yeah. right? Um, they were arguing too, right? Yeah. What were they arguing about? About how to play baseball and how Julie's and how she did it her way. But they were also arguing about two other people, weren't they? Slugger and Batman Bates. <laughs> yep, that's right. They were kind of arguing about whether or not Slugger was going to break Batman Bates' record, right? Yeah. And they were waiting for who to show up to take him to the ball game. Their grandpa. Yeah. Their grandpa once again. You like grandpa? Yeah. Grandpa takes him to some fun places, doesn't he? Yeah. Yeah. He's a pretty good guy, isn't he? Yeah. I'll call him the adventure grandpa for right now. For now on. <laughs> Until I find him in an issue not taking the kids on an adventure. I think he always takes them on adventures. Then I'm going to call him adventure grandpa. <laughs> that sounds good to me. So tell me some other parts about this issue that you liked. What did you think of the artwork in the issue? Really great. It's a different artist than June Brinkman, but you can recognize that it's it's a little bit of a different style, isn't it? Well, on the front it is. The front's kind of an interesting uh, picture. What do you think about it? Well, first let me explain it to those who can't see it. Okay. Um, It has the four kids. Jack, he's more on the front. Alex is holding Katie, like always. And Julie is flying with Alex and Katie. And then over here, this is a baseball card, right? Yeah. Over over on the side, there's a baseball card, and then... And, and who's the baseball card of? And it says, Bats, Bates, all Outfield. Mm-hmm. And right below it, it says Fireworks, and it has this picture of what, how they lift off the fireworks when uh, everybody gets... Not really. It looks like it's it's looks like a control setting for the fireworks, but mm-hmm. what does this say? Caution, TNT. TNT, that's dynamite, that's explosions. That's not fireworks, those are explosions, those are dangerous. So that's showing that, you know, something weird is going on here. You got a baseball card and you got, like, explosions down here and it's called fireworks. And Batman Bates turns out to be evil in this one. Yeah, he is, right? Yeah, he's gonna put the whole stadium on fire or something. He's gonna he's gonna try to blow up the stadium, yeah. right? yeah. And what do the kids try to do? The kids uh, figure this out, right? Yes, they go and save the world again. <laughs> well, well they, they save the stadium. There you go. That's a little better. <laughs> it's not as big of a stakes as the world, but it's the stadium. Yeah. So what do you think about how the kids interfered in the baseball game? Do you think that was right that they interfered in the baseball game? Not nice, but it had to do. they had to do that. So Jackie knew that if Slugger hit a home run, mm-hmm. then 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 they would be able to set the fireworks on yeah. and the whole stadium would blow up. So they had to do it, right? Yeah. And what do you think about them doing interfering in the game at the end again when Julie made the ball go over the wall and cut, and give him a home run? Do you think that was okay? No, but they, they just tried to help out. They tried to fix the mistake, yeah. right? So do you think that's fair or not? Mm, I guess it's a little fair, but... 
not really much of a game. Yeah, it kind of took away from the game, didn't it? Yeah. But you like the issue, though, right? Yeah. Yeah. Who is your favorite character in this issue? I don't know. Well, of course, Jack was bossing Julie around a little bit again. It was a little bit about him, wasn't it? Yeah. It wasn't much, it, but he was bossing her around at first. Yes. But I still would make him the, the hero of the day, still. Okay. Anything else you want to talk about this issue? Is there any, is there any of the pictures that you really liked? Yeah. What was the picture you really liked? When it showed all four of them. And they were all talking about what had happened at the game? Yeah. It's a pretty good scene of all four of them, isn't it? Yeah. Cool. That's a good choice, Carrie. Thank you, as always, for your time, Gary. You're welcome, Daddy. Jinx! Shoutouts! We like to recognize those listeners that take the time to write in or leave us a review. I would like to personally thank Brent Anderson again, who was kind enough to answer some of the questions regarding his art. He even answered a question I had from way back in issue 9 regarding the Johnny Quest and bandit shirt that Alex was wearing. He told me that he guesses that Alex would be a JQ fan. And at that time, he was getting some Johnny Quest scripts from Comico about the same time, but he had to turn them down. So maybe drawing that classic Johnny and Bandit was on his radar when he drew that issue of Power Pack. Really cool for him to answer that. No, so. that is really cool. So thank you very much, Brant Anderson, again. And then on our webpage, we got messages from Icon UK, Tim P, and Anthony W. Yeah, Anthony said that we were still doing a good job. He wants us to keep up singing, and he's kind of sad that he's always going to be known as the man who can't remember his own anniversary. Yeah, we told June Brigman that. <laughs> also on the webpage, from Damien, about our coverage of Power Pack 12, there's... um. A weird bit of coincidence with our opening advert. He mentioned that one of the many completed but unpublished Marvel comics of the 80s was a Young Astronauts, which was drawn by Power Pack's June Brigman. Also, around the same time, they were going to have this comic book as well as a Saturday morning cartoon. It's kind of interesting. Uh, it's kind of cool. They only got to so far about that comic book and that cartoon, and then it was all dropped. And the only thing we can think of is about the same time the uh, Challenger disaster uh, happened. So that's probably why they didn't go through with it. But the art looked really cool. It sounded like kind of a cool premise of some kids that were in a spaceship, kind of like space camp thing almost. Mm-hmm. Damien also wrote that it was probably worth mentioning that the costume that Kitty wears in that issue is its only appearance. Somewhere around 2000, Marvel released an X-Men sketchbook of costume designs, which features Art Adams' designs for Kitty, including that costume from the issue. But by the time she wears it in X-Men, it's been altered to the blue version with a Madonna glove that John Romita Jr. really liked to draw. He wants us to keep up the podcast, and he loves it, and he doesn't mind the songs. Well, that's nice. Thank you. We don't <sighs> mind the songs either. Some of us. <laughs> <laughs> At least I don't. And then we got our first comment on Potomatic. Thanks to Max T, who congratulated us on the great interview with June. He's looking forward to Captain Ginger. As are we all. And I've got to say, if you haven't checked out any of Ahoy Comics content yet, check it out. They just released their first issue of Wrong Earth, Fabulous. Amazing. You got a lot of content for four bucks. It's really good. The other one that's coming out is Captain Ginger from that same uh, publisher. Captain Ginger is looking interesting. A lot of the stuff that Ohio Comics yeah. is putting out and, looks And I haven't read the uh, the Wrong Earth yet, but I'm intrigued. I need to bring that yeah, over Yeah, run, run it my way. I'll, I'll give that a look at. Twitter thanks. I'm just going to read these off. Ryan Daly, Demon Scythe Scythewave, Adjacent Culture, Alexander, Tim Price, Michael the Street, uh, Symbols, Symbols, Fulpuls. R&D Adventures, Cool Down Now is in Love, Michael Warner, Gal Walks Into the Comic Shop, The Secret Wars and Beyond Podcast, what? Woohoo! Cash Flag, Ed209, Irredeemable Shag, Greg A, WMQ Comics, Limax 7, Craig McNichol. We'd like to thank you all. Yes. 
On Facebook, Todd Enoch believes that there's no such thing as too many song parodies. We get it. We get it. We get it. See, Rick? There could be more. And uh, WMQ Comics released a very nice article on our little podcast during the first week of October. It is the third in their series on Pod People, and you can find it at WMQComics.com under Interviews. And a big thank you to Sean for being our very first guest host. Thank you, Sean. Thank you very much, man. Hey, thanks for having me, you guys. This was awesome. I loved having Rick on the show. Jeff, I'd love to get you on the show as well. And uh, this was a lot of fun. I appreciate you having me on talking about seriously one of my all-time favorite comics. I would love to be on your show with you if I can find the time. So <laughs> I would like to give you one last chance, Sean. Uh, tell us once again where people can find you. Uh, so you can find Secret Wars and Beyond on the Pulp to Pixel Podcast Network. And you can find Nerdy Dads on the Nerdy Dads Podcast Network. Excellent. Jeff and Rick Present is a bi-weekly self-produced podcast recorded in front of a live studio audience in Portland, Oregon. If you would like to interact with us through the magic of the internet, you can do so through Twitter at Jeff and Rick Present. Our Facebook page, Jeff and Rick Present. Our email address, Jeff and Rick Present, all one word, at gmail.com. Or at our website, Jeff and Rick Present.wordpress.com. And if you would like to help support our show, you can find us at patreon.com. Jeff and Rick present all one word. Patton Oswald uh, once described making money as like an actor as uh, rent and ramen. And kind of the Patreon version of that is beer and bandwidth. So <laughs> uh, it, it, nicely it, said. Throw, throw a buck our way if you'd be willing to. It uh, helps keep us going, which would be great. So What nice. also keeps us going really well is when you rate and review our show on iTunes or Stitcher. It helps if you tell your friends about us. And we love it when you share your love for us on social media. And as always, we want to thank the wonderful women in our life. My wife, Cindy, and our daughter, Carrie. My fiance Hillary, and our daughter, Aurora. We, we love, love you. Until next time. Costumes, costumes off. off. Our theme music is 80s action. Also featured in this episode is Spatial Winds. All music is by Kevin McLeod at Copatech.com and is licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0 license. You just, Do you want him to read the entirety yep, of it? Yep, he's going to read the entirety of it. Okay. Like, like I said, the entire idea here is that he's going to read the entirety of it, and then you're going to start off with the, what and, is happening. And then, like in the script. Yes. Weird. I'll learn how this works <laughs> one of these days. God, I so these that. words, I can't these wait. are words on I can't this. Wait. I can't wait right? to work with a professional sometime. That'd be nice. <laughs> now, now, I see that these words are made up of smaller things. What are those? <laughs> what are these strange <laughs> symbols? Yeah, what strange symbols are these? What eldritch signs of infinite horrors? <laughs> these runes on the page. Yeah. Uh, talk to Mr. Beyonder, yeah. okay? Uh, summer nights at the ballpark... That's my daughter. Summer nights at the ballpark have been a tradition for Boundary Bait. <laughs> Your daughter is like, get this skunk beer out of here. Yeah. What is yeah. this? <laughs> it's like, daddy doesn't drink out of a can. Yes, you do tonight, sir. Yeah. But how, yeah. how does time work? <laughs> it's a flat circle. Yeah. <laughs> Remy LeBlou thinks so. so. Uh, it is a nice sunny. What? You're supposed to cut in. <clears throat> oh. I'm like, I'm like, you want me to do I'm, that again? <laughs> he's all waving at me. Like, I know like, you're like, what? I don't know what, what? you're like. What? Jump in. Jump in. <laughs> well, yes, because I'm waiting for. Right. You're doing it early, and I'm like. What? I'm not. I stopped looking at the script. You're, like, you're supposed to jump in. Yeah, like, go ahead and do that again. Okay, I'll do it again. You're fine. <laughs> it was really cute with Carrie and, or with Cindy and and uh, let's hear it. Cindy and Carrie doing these lines. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Your yeah, wife was, and child. 
I can't remember the names. It's Julie <laughs> yeah, and know, Katie. Uh, what are they called? Family? <laughs> Family? All right. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what... Oh, crap, sorry. My computer just mm-hmm. decided no to update. Well, I will tell you what does work. <laughs> Jack's... Cr- I'm sorry. I'm laughing over you. Go ahead. <laughs> no, no, it's like, literally, right as I'm about to read my line, it's like, update? Um, <laughs> no! No! <laughs> like, no, no, later, later. <laughs> right. Delete file? <laughs> Yoinks, y'all! No, that's terrible. Zoinks, y'all! That's the- still bad. That's still bad. Zoinks, y'all! Zoinks, y'all! Zoinks, y'all! The kids are all kinds of pleased with themselves. No, that that's was really bad. bad. <laughs> that was really bad. <laughs> is, I, that, that's actually you're you're a you're you're a drunged up teenager, or you're you're a pot smoking teenager who's got a dog for best friend. Own it. I literally almost just said, "Read the other kids' lines." <laughs> and now, okay, now I'll do mine. Read Jack's lines. That's All right, that's there we go. We're good. Cool. Okay, so I'm reading the other kid. That was easy. I was yeah. gonna write these up, and then I got uh, tired and or, or, I was busy. But I was, and... th- I, I was thinking I, I could write them up too. Or hey, we all have the comics, yeah. so. I had something funny to say that I thought of earlier today, and now I can't think of it. So excellent, excellent. Uh, so G Force. Quick aside is uh, there was uh, uh, people that I used to know and uh, their liquor cabinet kept like all the liquor and it kept on disappearing and they're like oh my god we must have a ghost. They also lived with an alcoholic, but you know. <laughs> uh, but so if your booze ever disappears, odds are it was a ghost named Jeff and Rick. <laughs> <laughs> Just in this format, my fiance Hillary and our daughter Aurora. Oh no! You go ahead, guys. That's good. All right. And nobody for Sean. And no Sean one. loves no, no one. one. I got- Sean would like to thank comics and the ability to read them without anyone to love that bothers him. I got myself here. No one helped. Yes, <laughs> I would like to say I love me. Lock the door in my comic book room. Yeah, I'm jealous of that, man. I'm really jealous of that.